Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. This is our uh, shorter, high-impact version of Mortification of Spin. We call it Bully Pulpit. It gives us a chance to do a, a briefer podcast, but, a, but kind of a high-impact focus on a particular subject. The Mortification of Spin is a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We can only continue producing it with your help. Visit mortificationofspin.org to make a donation or call 1-800-488-1888. How do pastors and church leaders keep themselves accountable to their congregations? What happens when a church is treated more like a business than a house of worship? Keep listening as Todd and Amy step on toes and take on the big guys. My name is Todd Pruitt. I'm the pastor at Covenant Presbyterian Church in uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia. I'm normally joined by Carl Truman, but Carl Truman is out globetrotting, I think, at the moment. And uh, with me this morning is one of our regular contributors, Amy Bird, from the great state of West Virginia. Hi, Amy. That's right. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, good. Sorry a- if I disappoint the uh, listeners today. My voice isn't as balding, bitter, well. or British as <laughs> Carl's is. That is that is true. You look nothing like Carl Truman. You sound nothing like <laughs> Carl Truman. And for all of that, God's people said amen. But I, uh, I, I do. Uh, if you don't know, Amy Bird has a wonderful blog site called uh, Housewife Theologian and has written a, a, an equally wonderful book by the same title. And it's uh, it's fortuitous that we're talking uh, this morning, Amy. You just recently uh, posted on the Ref Twenty One blog site. Uh, a, a post titled "A Plea to Pastors and Elders." It's it's a call. I, I think a wonderful, uh, sensitive call to pastors and elders to help their congregations be discerning, and that relates to a number of different top topics, particularly what we read. But also, I think it 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 lends to the subject at hand that I want us to address for a few minutes today, which is discernment from the laity in helping pastors and elders to fulfill their call in a godly and biblical way. What I mean is this. Uh, news has, has hit in recent weeks about a, a well-known mega, mega church pastor in North Carolina who has built a, 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 an equally mega, mega mansion. Um, it apparently is bigger than the house than the five richest people in North Carolina live in. Uh, he, yeah, it's good stuff. It, it's a good gig if you can get it. And so, um, you know, Amy, you, you might want to talk to your husband about going into the mega church business and get yourself one of those places in West Virginia. I would imagine you could build a huge house in West Virginia for a decent price, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the housing costs around here are pretty low. So yeah, so you know you might you might do well there, but you know it <laughs> ra- raises some issues. I I don't mean to pick on uh, the pastor whose name is uh, Stephen Furtick of Ele- Elevation Church. I don't want to pick on him. However, at the same time, it's it's pretty troubling when the pastor of a church builds a sixteen thousand square foot mansion. Um, the news media gets a hold of it. He goes before his church and says things like, you know, it's not that great of a house. I think. Probably most of the people in our churches, Amy, would say, yeah, it's a pretty great house at 16,000 square feet. You know, one, well, one it, seven million is not bad. Wouldn't be hard. It wouldn't be easy for us to know since you can't see the house from the street. That's right. That's There's right. a no trespassing sign in front of it, and it's surrounded by 19 and a quarter acres of dense woods, Todd. Yeah, yeah kind of nice. Not very hospitable. No, no, not at all. But what came out as a part of this is that... Uh, 
the the men who set his salary and and Elevation Church is not the only church that does this. Um, Fellowship Church in Grapevine, Texas, where Ed Young Jr. is the pastor, they do this as well. So the the, the board of directors of the church are other megachurch pastors. They aren't even members of the particular church, nor are they, as a result of that, accountable to that church. Now, Amy, you are a you and your husband are faithful laypersons of your church. Yes. Let me ask you this. How does that settle for you to think that whoever would be directing the affairs of your church in regard to how money is used, in regard to how your pastor is paid, would be fellows at whose conferences he speaks at and who are not members of your church? How does that go down? Um, I would find that to be very troubling. Uh, it seems to me to be blending a church with, with business more yeah. so. There's no elected deacons or elders overseeing right. that church. And then this board of overseers is made up of other mega church pastors, and then they determine one another's salary. And the congregants who actually pay the salary don't even get to know what that is. It's confidential. Right. right. That is right. very troubling. It is very troubling. And and while we may say and, and while we can say at this point, well, yeah, that's still a pretty rare exception. There's not many churches that do that. One of the things we know in church life is that once an idea gets traction, it tends to spread pretty quickly. And yes. the fact is, because pastors like myself are sinners. Um, bad ideas can sometimes be appealing to us. Mm-hmm. And what we see being practiced in places like Fellowship Church and Elevation Church and others, um, if it goes unchecked, it's not going to be long before it begins to be practiced in churches that might not be as well known. A pastor might decide, you know, that would be great if I could just answer to these buddies of mine who aren't even members of the church, that would be so much better for me. I understand the sinful t- temptation towards that. And so, Amy, you know, speaking as as a, as a layperson in a church, what what is the while you and I are both Presbyterians and we believe in a Presbyterian form of church government where elders lead, mm-hmm. nevertheless, the congregation has a role in this, do they not? Absolutely. And uh, you know, a story like this, you know, I would think that oh, all we need to do is uh, raise awareness of this story, and people will catch wind of it, and then um, things will change. But that's not the case. I think that the regular attendance there is like 14,000 members a weekend. So, you know, it just really makes me think of the congregational responsibility for discernment. You know, we're, we're responsible for who we decide to sit under the preaching of every week, um, no matter what denomination we're in. And, um, church government definitely plays a role in, um, how we're going to, pick a church to become mm-hmm. a member of, to uh, contribute to financially through our tithes and offerings. And each one of us has a responsibility uh, to be those good Bereans, to listen to the message and discern what is that message coming from the pastor? Um, is it comparable to scripture? You know, Is it the truth of God's word that he is preaching? Is his life a life of Christian discipleship? Yeah. And Pastors of these congregations don't seem to have any accountability to the congregation that they supposedly serve. Right, right. And this is one of the unique things about leadership within the church. In a, in a Presbyterian form of church government, the church is led by elders, and yet we seek to lead. In fact, it's, it's built within our documents that we will not lead 
as those whose authority is unaccountable. We are leaders, but we are accountable to the congregation. Um, many congregationalist churches operate the same way. There are clearly identified leaders, but those leaders are accountable to the congregation. And I just wonder how that can be possible in a church where the board of directors are are not members of that church. And I think the answer is it's it ends up not being very possible. And what ends up happening is that a cult of personality is built up around this man. Mm-hmm. And and that the the motto becomes, you know, touch ye not the Lord's anointed. And uh, that, that becomes a very dangerous thing. I know as a pastor in a Presbyterian church that I have a responsibility to lead. I also know that the men and women who make up the body of this local church, I'm ultimately accountable to them. My, yes. I, I lead at, in, 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 in essence, I lead by their permission. And that's the same as in your church. You are a layperson who knows God has brought this man to help lead us. He's brought this session here to help lead us. And what they must know is that you and your husband and the other laypersons of that church are a part of God's plan to, so to speak, keep them honest. Yeah, we are to be engaged in the life of the church as well in a very responsible mm-hmm. way. And, mm-hmm. you know, that involves, you know, prayer right. for our pastor and, and definitely for the whole church government. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and it strikes me, um, and again, it's not my intention to pick on a particular church or a particular pastor, but these examples hit the national news and it's a, it it harms the whole church because Mm -hmm. what people suspect that pastors are out there um, grubbing for money, seeking to get rich off the backs of their people, these kinds of stories just confirm that prejudice. And it's, it's very, very sad. But imagine what must it be like for a layman in a church who struggles week by week to get the bills paid and his or her pastor just built a 1.7 million dollar house mm. that, that that church doesn't want their pastor to live in poverty no but at what point does it become so other than what the congregation is as a whole that that man no longer has um, the, the respect, um, the influence, the, 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 the ability to shepherd those with whom the Lord has given him charge. And that also makes me think of just the, um, the theology that we walk into as congregants every Sunday morning. You know, am I coming in with a theology of glory? Because then yeah. I guess all this yeah. would be okay with me. But if, right. if we're walking in with the uh, theology of the cross, really, and right. uh, recognizing the cost of discipleship, this is going to be very troubling. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because part of you know what's so central to the faithful pastor's preaching is the cross and, and to help our people understand that you don't get heaven here. Right. You don't get the glory here. You get cross here. That's hard for me to preach if I'm living in a $1.7 million mansion. Very. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is a, a helpful discussion, and it's one that I hope that people will hear, not as a means to um, uh, to withhold love from their pastor, but to love their pastor and their elders well, knowing that God's given them a role to lead, but also knowing that it's not an unaccountable leadership. Yes. And um, I, I hope that uh, that that can be 
taken seriously. Well, Amy, uh, thanks for being on with us this morning and providing some uh, needed perspective here. If, uh, if you are out there, um, I would encourage you to check out the Ref21 blog. Look at Amy's recent uh, post uh, entitled A Plea to Pastors and Elders because it, it involves an issue that we're going to dedicate a longer program to before too much longer, and uh, that'll be coming up. Uh, but Amy, uh, thanks again for your time. Thanks for your continued work, um, your continued writing. Um, is there another book coming along? Um, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm working on another book uh, to be published by PNR called Theological Fitness. Outstanding. Well, we will look forward to that. And uh, thank all of you for listening in to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit today. Uh, have a blessed day, and uh, we will talk to you next time. It's easy for us to hoard our money for ourselves, forgetting that our treasures are in heaven not on earth. We have a free message for you entitled, A Fool and His Money. Just visit mortificationofspin.org or call 800-488-1888 to download A Fool and His Money. Visit mortificationofspin.org or call 800-488-1888. Mortification of Spin is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Alliance ministries include Reformation21.org, the Bible Study Hour, and events held nationwide. To learn more about the Alliance visit AllianceNet.org or call 800-488-1888. We can only continue to bring you these resources with your support. To make a donation, please visit mortificationofspin.org or call 800-488-1888. That's mortificationofspin.org or call 800-488-1888 to make a donation. Please join us next time to hear Carl and Todd interview a prominent author about the meaning of sex.